Okay, here we go. What's up, everybody? Thank you for being here with me. I'm recording this on March 9th, which is a uh, hump day, a Wednesday, in the year 2022. Uh, I've got uh, some thoughts about the Indiana Pacers that I uh, just wanted to share. And yeah, so we'll, we'll just see what we get into here. I've, I had a, I had a rough time rough time taking off on this podcast so far. I think I've stopped and started about 12 times. Um, I don't know. I guess I just feel kind of uh, extra, extra weird today. We'll see. I went and changed into my Pacer sweatpants, so I'm hoping that um, gives me good vibes, and so far it has because I haven't hit stop yet. Although I'm getting pretty close. (laughs) No, that's okay. Um, yeah, so here we go. You know, the Pacers. All right. So I did an episode about two weeks ago, um, after taking like, you know, a year, uh, of not doing episodes, but, uh, with all the news around the Pacers, the, the big, the big changes of bringing Tyrese Halliburton in and, and trading away DeMontis Sabonis and Karis LeVert, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's hard to stay away. And so, um, you know, I've been watching the Pacers. I uh, think I've caught every game since, uh, you know, the last time I recorded. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of kind of talk about some of the players, uh, especially Tyrese. Um, you know, just kind of see, see the state of the Pacers. And so, um, you know, currently uh, the Pacers are 22 and 45, uh, which is a pretty abysmal record. Uh, I think they are tied for the fifth, fourth or fifth worst record in the NBA, and there's a total of 30 teams there. So that kind of paints the picture of, wh- of where we are at. Um, you know, uh, it's it, 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 the season's kind of been over for a while in the sense that we we knew that the Pacers were not going to be in the playoffs pretty early on in the season. And, uh, you know, I think it was in December or so of you know, season starts in October. By December, it's like, hey, you know, we're we're looking to we're looking to trade anybody on this roster. Like nothing's necessarily set in stone. This is coming off of the 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 previous off season of hiring Rick Carlisle, um, who you know basically Carlisle comes in, uh, he starts coaching this team with Sabonis and Turner and Lavert. You you know Brogdon. You're looking for Warren, and. Uh, you know, it's you thought, hey, let's see what we got. Let's see what we got here. Um, and it was clear that, you know, this team wasn't this team kind of like this podcast just didn't take off uh, as this episode. It didn't take off. And so it was time to bail. Um, and so the Pacers, you know, essentially have started the process of bailing uh, this year. And so, you know, the win loss record isn't necessarily something to even really care about. Um, however, being 22 and 45, you're like, all right, this is really bad, but we do we do set ourselves up for um, a potential top five, top four draft pick. Who knows? We might get lucky. I mean, really what you're doing is you're getting better chances. Your odds improve in the lottery the worse that you are. So, you know, we might strike gold and hit number one or two or three. We'll just have to wait and see on that. But because of, because of the... 
Uh, grass is always greener on the other side. The future, the, dr the draft pick, that's, that's kind of out there in front of us. Losses don't hurt anymore in this season. Uh, so you don't even know. Like, I don't know if, the, if it seems like the Pacers are trying to win. Um, I don't think that they're actively losing or like trying to lose. Um, but they don't, it, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's tough because they seem like it, it's like if they're trying to win and they're not winning, um, man, it's just kind of concerning, but maybe that's just what it is to kind of suck. You know, like if you're a sucky team, uh, you just lose a lot of games and maybe that's just where the Pacers are. Um, I'd like to think that the team that is currently constructed could be winning more games, but maybe they can't. Uh, We'll see. So, you know, 22 and 45, they, since, since the trade, since they sent Sabonis and Justin Holiday and Jeremy Lamb, they got rid of, uh, Torrey Craig, you know, basically just re brought in Halliburton and Buddy Heald. Uh, they've, they've only had three wins and they've had eight losses. That's kind of on par with their record, you know? Um, however, some of these losses are kind of head scratching and, and, you know, one thing that I'd be looking for, it's like, all right, I, I'm all on board for, for saying that Tyrese Halliburton, here's the keys to the city. You're our point guard for the next 10 years. You know, championship would be amazing. What we really, really want is to be a contender. Like, like we want, we we're giving you the keys to the, the franchise, to the city for the next 10 years. Spend your career here. Tyrese, I... I don't know. I think he's 22. I think he just turned 22 years old. So it's like we've got a really young, promising, uh, potential, like I would think all-star, potential all-NBA caliber player. Let's give him the give him the car keys and, and drive us. And you you would, for me, I would hope, I would like to see more wins, I guess, currently, even though losses feel good too because it means we get a better draft pick i just don't i just it just doesn't sit right because well l l here's why because it's, it's not like we're losing to milwaukee and um you know whatever like good teams we're not losing to playoff teams in the so halliburton's been with the team for 11 games and we've already lost to te like teams that are that are actually worse than us and we're fifth like we're the fifth worst team we lost. We've lost to Oklahoma City Thunder, who have a worse record. The Orlando Magic, who have a worse record. The Detroit Pistons, who have a worse record. The Washington Wizards, who have a better record but are trash. Um, you know that's four losses, where it's like, if like Tyrese and Rick Carlisle, and if there's anybody on this team that we think is going to be part of like a, a contending team. Like we shouldn't be losing to these bottom feeder teams, in my opinion. But I don't know. I I don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't think the Pacers are purposefully losing. Maybe it's just you know it's just like there's a lot of good players in the NBA, and frankly, maybe maybe the Pacers team maybe Halliburton is gonna be really good, but he's just not like there yet to beat teams on his own. That might be the case. I mean, he's a second year player so that that might be kind of a lot to ask but to me it's just a little concerning I don't mind losing games but I, I don't like losing to teams that are, are like worse than the Pacers already in the in as far as like the records 
Um, but like I've said already, you know, a, a high draft pick, high lottery odds are desirable. So I, I it, it's just weird. I, I don't know how to I don't know how to judge the outcomes of these games. So um, I don't know. You, you just got You just got to, I guess, just not. But um, I was curious. So, it, you know, watching some of these games, you know, it seems like a lot of the times these games are coming down to the wire and it's just like, well, the Pacers lose. Um, now, if we were a playoff team and we had a bunch of games that were, were close and we just kept ending, we kept ending up on the wrong side of the outcome, you know, that's when you start blaming the coach, right? You're like, hey, man, what, what's going on? Or you start blaming the players. But when you're a team that's at the bottom of the league and you're not winning any games, like you don't really blame anybody for losing. But we're in these positions to win the games. And I was just curious. So I looked up, you know, I, I just magically picked the number of five points. I was like, all right, if the final score of a game was five points one way or the other, what was the Pacers record? And uh, I, I wouldn't like bet my life on this, but I went through, I think it, I only went through it once and it was kind of hard to, to do because I was counting on my fingers, but it looks to me and I'm either, I'm, I may be a game or two off, but basically there were, there've been 22 games so far this season. So 22 out of the, uh, we've played 67 games, 22 of those games have been decided within five points. And the Pacers have only won six of those games. So we've lost 16 games where we've been within five points. Now, let's just say you win. Well, actually, I don't even care about that. I was just going to, I'll just do it for the exercise. Uh, let's say you win half of those games. That's eight. So 14 wins to 22 you know, you're looking, you're a lot closer to 500. You're probably kind of in that borderline play-in range if you start, if you win some of these close games. Um, but we haven't. And it's, and, and it's weird because it feels fine because it's like, we are excited because we know we're going to get a, we're going to get a high draft pick. We're going to get a chance to get a player uh, to go along with Tyrese Halliburton, somebody who can be a part of um, our team that is hopefully retooling, regearing for a, to be a, a, I mean, a championship contender is the goal, but uh, we'll see. It's just, it's tough right now. I I, I don't know how to, um, to, you know, it it, kind of seems like the games don't matter. And so like, or it seems like winning and losing doesn't matter right now. So it, 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 it's weird. It's, it's hard to figure out what you're looking for when you're watching, watching the games and, and how to really evaluate what you have, like how good of a coach is Rick Carlisle if the games don't matter if we lose, right? It's like, how good of a player is Tyrese Halliburton if it doesn't matter if we lose? Because we're losing, you know? But you'd like to think that they're actually good. Like you'd like to think that Rick Carlisle is going to be a really good coach for the Pacers. And you'd like to think that Halliburton's going to be a really good player and so on. Um, but regardless of all that, like it, it still feels very good, uh, to be a Pacers fan and to, you know, like to have moved on from Sabonis and, and Levert and and I hate this, like, I'm not seeing it's like Sabonis was just, he was just like, uh, 
you know, he, he was just part of that era that we had. And I, and I talked a lot about that in my, in the last episode. It's like that, that era is gone and we're, we're building something new now with Rick Carlisle and it feels good. I'm not sure what we have. Like, I don't know if we are two pieces away from, from being good down the road. Like maybe we have enough young talent, um, that just a couple more pieces and like, Hey, you know, here we are. Or maybe we are like, maybe we don't really have anything besides Halliburton. Um, but we'll, we, we shall see. So I, I definitely want to talk about, uh, I want to spend some time here and, and talk about Tyrese because he's been with the Pacers now for 11 games. Um, he, he has been awesome in my opinion. I, I think that, um, you know, first of all, the energy, and just the excitement that that Tyrese plays with, which I know I, um, that's something that people or, or, or like, uh, what am I trying to say here? It, 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 it's like he says that about himself. Like he says, like, you know, the way I go about my like, I'm, I'm always, like, I'm trying to have like fun and, and really enjoy the game. And and uh, he says that. And I, th- I think he truly backs that up. And uh, it, it's fun as a fan to watch Tyrese play like. Uh, especially, comp- I, you know, and it's unfortunate because Brogdon, Brogdon is on the team, uh, but you just, you just, com- it's hard not to compare um, the excitement that and flashiness and kind of like just not quite swagger, but almost swagger that Halliburton plays with versus the way that Malcolm Brogdon goes about playing the basketball game. And I, um, but just with Tyrese, you know, I just think his energy has been awesome. He seems genuinely excited for his teammates. Like, you know, we're losing games, but he's still having, like, he's still supporting his teammates fully. And I think that he's got some, um, I think he's got some, like, kind of intangible leadership skills that uh, are going to translate nicely. If, like, if we're going to be a championship contender one day, I think Halliburton can, um, can lead that team. I, I used to think that, uh, I, it, well, we'll see, like, uh, we'll, I'm comparing him, I'm comparing Halliburton to Oladipo at this point, but one of the things I used to think about with Vic was, I'd say, like, can Victor Oladipo be the best player on a championship team? Um, and, uh, you know, because he's not Kevin Durant or Giannis or Jokic or Luka Doncic or LeBron James, you know, like, you've got your super superstars. And so, like, if you if if you're if you're Victor Oladipo, or I think like Tyrese Halliburton, kind of like that second tier star, can you be the best player on a team to win a championship? Well, uh, I think the only way that you can do it is that you have to have an amazing team around you. And you know, one thing with uh, Halliburton is I think he has a lot of skills that make his teammates better and you know the 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 fact that he's you know he's kind of he's kind of labeled as a pass first point guard meaning you know he's probably looking to to get more he like he he's he's probably well he's gonna get a lot of assists and sometimes at the expense of his own offensive scoring you know um but I think I'll I think I'll touch on that maybe maybe a little bit more down down the line here. But like, I, I wanted to talk about you know here's an example one one example that I watched of of his genuine excitement for his teammates was there 
the Pacers were down in Orlando for two games, uh, maybe like a week ago or something. And there was a play where Halliburton was on the bench. And he was, so he wasn't even in the game. Dwayne Washington hits like some super deep three pointer. Dwayne Washington Jr. Deep three bangs at home. I think the magic call a timeout and you know, at the broadcast, you see Tyrese Halliburton come running off of the bench, just smiling, like kind of jumping up in the air, you know, going out to meet Dwayne Washington while he's still on the court. Like, yo, like that's like that was a awesome shot, you know, and then, um, you know, you're just, the broadcast is just kind of following that action. And then it moves on, like as the players are kind of headed back towards the bench, you see McConnell, who hasn't played in a while. He's injured with that. I think he like fractured his wrist or something. McConnell's like hyped up for, uh, for, for Washington as well. And so, you know, he daps him up and then they continue on. And then it was just funny. Cause it's like, then you see Malcolm Brogdon at, at the very end, like just barely off of the bench at this point. And he's just kind of like high five, like, you know, it's like whatever, like not even looking at Dwayne Washington. And that's just like, and, and that's, I'm not, I'm not trying to compare like Halliburton to Brogdon. Um, because they're each, you know, they're different people, but, if you're going to be the best player on a championship team, I think like uh, like Halliburton being so excited for his teammate and uh, like other guys feed off of that, you know, like uh, I, or I think they would. I think they, they, they would. I think that's the kind of guy that you want to play for or play with. Um, you know, I have another and it just so happens that Malcolm Brogdon is the guy I'm picking on. And I think it's just because. I don't know. I'm afraid that I, I'm afraid that Brogdon just he. I think his time's up. I think he just needs to go. I think they need to move on. I don't think him and Halliburton are. I don't think that. I just don't think Brogdon is is what what we need. I think he stifles things the next couple of years. But another another kind of example of this would be, uh, this would have been another another game recently where, uh, you know, you're watching the Pacers game and they're about to tip off. And they're just kind of panning around, showing all the different players. And Brogdon is kind of like bent over, hands on his knees, and he just lets out this yawn that's like, it's about time to go to bed. <laughs> it's this huge yawn. And I'm just like, oh my God, like, like we're about to we're about to tip off, you know, here. And and here this guy is just yawning. <laughs> like, like he's just out there, like, oh, whatever, man. Here we go. Um, and then like right after I see the yawn camera cuts to, to Tyrese Halliburton and he's just literally like jumping up and down, smiling, just like, looks like he's just ready to like have like the best time of his life. And I just thought that was such an interesting kind of comparison between, between the two players. Um, not that, and, and it's like, you know, that's just different. That Once again, nothing wrong with yawning before the tip. It's not like Brogdon was like taking a nap or on the bench. I'm not accusing him of like being tired. It's just the personality, the demeanor uh, is just so much different with Halliburton compared to Brogdon. And, um, and that, and, and it's just like, I, you know, I don't even think I was really, when I kind of was like typing out my notes and stuff for this episode, I, I wasn't ready to say like, I'm ready to move on from Brogdon, but just kind of, thinking through it and talking about it. I, I think you just have to, I think you've got to move them. And I just, I, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. 
but this is about Halliburton, and I think, you know, and this is about Halliburton's energy and the kind of just the gusto that he plays with. I, I think that that he can he can get a team to really, really rally um, for him. And so, you know, it's like, hey, if, if like he needs to definitely get really he needs to get way better if the Pacers if he's going to be the the best player on a championship contending team, he has to be way better as far as um, I, I, just kind of everything. I mean, but 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 you would expect that from any player who's 22 years old. But I think that he, like his personality is the type that a team if could rally around and and everybody would be better having him on the team. I think they would. Um, you know, uh, not to say this like lightly, but like to kind of like go to war, go to battle for Halliburton or with Halliburton being the leader of this team. So that's something I definitely want to see. I, I think as the Pacers move forward over the next few years, like you got to be thinking about adding personnel um, that would buy in to um, the team success coming above the individual success. And there's, a, I, 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 well, I'm, I was about to, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to explore this tangent here for a minute. I noticed like with Jalen Smith, who's um, a guy on the Pacers right now who they just picked up, you know, he's individually, I mean, he's, he's talented beyond belief. Um, but I was just watching this, this most recent game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you can't help but notice Whenever when Jalen doesn't get a call or um, admit like I, actually the play I'm thinking of is it was down towards the end of the game he was having a really good game too, uh, but he was like posting up like a guard and like one of the Pacers guards did not pass him the ball, it, they swung it around they missed it, and he, and then the, and the Pacers guy shot it or whatever and missed it and Cavs had the ball and went down and then they scored. And, and like, I watched Jalen Smith's demeanor the whole time, and it was just, it was like he was so whipped. He was so defeated, like, just, like, because he didn't get the ball. So he was, like, pouting almost. And then that the other team scored. And it was just kind of almost like it was, like, he's he seemed, in that possession, he appeared like he had his own, he had his own game, like, way above, like, the success of the team. Uh, and like, like almost like the team fucked up by not getting him the ball. And then they, and the reason that the, the other team scored was because, you know, he didn't get the ball. Um, that's, that's super like critical. And I, I just kind of thought of that, but I just want to contrast that with like the type of players that we need to get to build with Tyrese Halliburton, like can't really have that. Like we need guys like, I don't even, I like. Um, like guys who are willing to sacrifice their own like stats and their own uh, success for the team. Um, okay, uh, let me let me reel it back in here. I think that um, you know, I think Halliburton. It's been really refreshing to see the way that he is excited, the way he that he approaches the game. I love seeing him talk to Rick Carlisle or, or Lloyd Pierce after a timeout, kind of just like running, like it looks like he's like really trying to figure out like what he should be doing or, or, or how he maybe, maybe he could have done something differently or, 
or was this good or was that bad and whatnot. He seems to really care. And he just, he wears the care on his sleeves. And as a fan, you can see that. And as someone who wants to root for a team that cares, Halliburton's my kind of player. Like, I love that. Um, and so I, I, what I want to talk about now is, or, or what I want to actually read is there's a, uh, there's a media outlet called the Players' Tribune. And um, I definitely don't like keep up with it, but I just know that Tyrese Halliburton had his, had a, had a, uh, a letter or, or story in the Players' Tribune. This is from uh, February 14th. It's titled Life Goes On. And it was a really, really interesting, fun read uh, as a fan uh, to kind of get to know uh, Halliburton because he talks a lot about how bought in he was in Sacramento and how much he like he had invested 100% into Sacramento. The Kings, who, have, who are not a good team, have not been in a, a good team in a long time. Um, but Halliburton was like, he was in the trenches. Like he was like, yeah, we're losing now, but you know, we're going to win or, or, you know, we're going to get there. I want to be a piece of this. Like, like he was ready to be a part of that. He, he goes into like, you know, the details about the trade and like how shocked he was with the trade is really interesting article. Um, and then as, and then towards the end of the article, he gets into, um, you know, now and, and being in Indiana. And I want to just read, you know, kind of the last, couple paragraphs of this uh, article because I I thought it was very, um, you know, it's kind of like a rallying cry in a sense as a Pacer fan, like this is what you want. This is the kind of guy that that you want on the team. And so uh, I'm going to put this in quotes here, but it says like this. Uh, More than anything, though, right now, it really does just feel good to be wanted. And I can't thank the Pacers enough for their belief in me. I'm humbled to have been traded for an all-star player like DeMontis, and I fully understand that this team wouldn't trade away a player like him for someone to just come in and be so-so. I feel like I was brought in to be part of the core of this Pacers team going forward and to work like hell until this team is back where it's accustomed to being. I take that mission very seriously. It's a lot of responsibility for sure, but that level of responsibility is what I crave. It's something I've worked my entire life for. I'm ready to step up. I'm coming to Indiana to leave my imprint and to help this team do something special. I'm coming here to create a legacy that makes Pacers fans proud. I'm coming here to be the best version of Tyrese Halliburton. So, you know, there's a lot there like that. I, that just makes you feel good. Um, he wants to be here. He wants to be a part of this team. He, I, you know, the, I, I think my favorite part, you know, of what I just read was, you know, him realizing that he's saying, I'm humbled to have been traded for an all-star like Sabonis. So, you know, he's a second year player. He was the 12th pick in the draft. Um, he's had success in his career so far, but, you know, not all-star. And, and so for him to realize, like, you know, I just got traded as an all-star, so like, the Pacers are obviously valuing, uh, valuing Halliburton like higher than we valued Sabonis, who was a two-time All-Star, and the fact that he recognizes that and, and wants that, and and hopefully he feels empowered by that. Um, so I just thought that was cool. 
Um, it's a really good article. Once again, that's on Players Tribune. I don't know if it's like <laughs> playerstribune.com. I don't know. Uh, it's called Life Goes On. And uh, it's a good read. If, if you're interested, you know, it, you know, I read it. It's not that hard to read. Um, so, you know, sticking with Tyrese here, though. So I talked about his energy, his kind of his intangibles as like a leader, uh, his excitement for the game. It's straight up, like his on-court abilities have been phenomenal. Um, his numbers are way up from what, what he was producing in Sacramento, but it's not just about the numbers because, you know, like, well, I'll just, just nail out this, like bang out these stats real quick. Like, so he's been with the Pacers for 11 games. He's averaging 19 points, nine and a half assists, five rebounds, two steals. He's shooting 51% from the field. 42% from three, 81% from the free throw line, meaning like he's on pace right now for like, well, he would have to increase that free throw percentage, but he's at 50, 40, which is kind of like the two hard things. And then, you know, or I guess the 90% free throw is pretty tough, but so 50, 40, 80, that's pretty damn good. Um, but once again, how, how much stock can you put into stats whenever the team loses every game? Um, not too many. So, uh, but, but some of the things that I've really that have really stood out to me that I love about Tyrese's game is just how quick he plays. The pace of the Pacers, he puts the pace in Pacers because like, like when he gets the ball, he's he's just he's pushing it up the pace. He's pushing it up the court. We're getting to our offense quick, getting like for the most part now. I feel like since Brogdon's come back from his injury, it's kind of bogged down a little bit more but um you know Tyrese just has really 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 good attacking skills he can get to the hoop he does a really good job of finishing he has some fancy ass layups like really fancy layups which I love like he'll uh I'm thinking of this play just in this last game against the Cavs where he kind of like he jumps up, he, you know, it's a fat, it, it's like a fat, it, it's a fast break and he, he's coming in and the defender's on his right and he's just like got the ball in his right hand and he kind of shifts it over to his left and kind of, kind of like does like a, a 90 degree turn with his body and kind of lit, like does a reverse off the backboard. Um, just kind of real cool finishing abilities. Um, I've noticed that a few times where like, so especially with, if it, if the, if the if the Pacers defense gets a stop, they're they're running. I mean, they're just immediately getting the rebound and going, and that's that's when their offense is at their best. But I've noticed with Tyrese, even with the even if the opposing team makes a basket, he he it he'll he'll so okay. He's the point guard, right? So his job is to get the inbounds pass if the other team makes the basket. Well, a few times I've noticed that Tyrese will get the ball like to just to try to keep the pace up. He'll grab the ball, inbounds it himself, and then just get it right back. You would never see that from, I'm, I'm picking on Brogdon here. Like, Brogdon would just, he literally would just, I mean, he'd just stand there and, like, wait for the ball, like, some, like an, another Pacer player to go pick the ball up. And then he'd just kind of, like, you know, trot the ball up the court. But Tyrese is like, all right, this isn't fast enough. Screw it. I'll just do it myself. He runs and grabs a ball that's out of bounds, passes it into one of the Pacers players who's there, and then they just pass it right back to him, and there he goes. He's running up the court. I just found that to be very interesting. It just shows a lot of uh, just, you know, just the guy wants to just get the ball and go, and I think that that's, that's really good. I think that fits what Rick Carlisle wants to do. Um, 
Uh, but we'll see. You know, another thing about, you know, his on-court abilities, the Pacers had a... So they've won three games since Halliburton's been here, and one of the games was against a really good Boston Celtics team. I shouldn't say really good. They're, they're, I don't think they're a contender for, like, a championship, but they were hot, and they'd won a lot of games in a row, but they were also on the end of, like, a road trip, and the Pacers caught them, and they beat, they beat, they beat the Celtics pretty good. And during that game... I noticed Halliburton was D'ing up Jason Tatum. And Jason Tatum is, you know, one of the best scorers in the NBA. He's got a lot of size at 6'8", big, broad shoulders, really tough to defend. Not many guys can defend him. And Hall- I'm not saying that Halliburton could, like, shut down Tatum. But in this game, he had multiple stops against Tatum. Like, one-on-one, Tatum being like, all right, I'm just going to get myself a bucket. I got this 6'5 guy on me, scrawny kid. And nope. Didn't happen. Halliburton would either swipe the ball or, you know, just really have like a do a really good job of contesting the shot. And, uh, you know, so uh, that to me stood out as, as the fact that Halliburton takes it, take he's not afraid to take on that challenge of, of taking the team's, you know, best offensive weapon and, and, and trying to shut him down in that same game. I wrote down, love the floaters. So he must it's not this is the only game that he's had floaters going on, but Part of his offensive game is just being able to get into the paint and finish, either with a crafty type layup or these amazing little floaters that he does. And sometimes with these floaters, it's it's very interesting because if the def- if the defender that's like closest to him doesn't it, let's see what am I trying to say doesn't go for like the block. Halliburton will he'll he'll either he'll either do the floater shot or he'll do like it's the same motion and that floater will turn into an alley oop pass and that's where Isaiah Jackson comes into play which I got I I want to talk about him a little bit later but like I love that Halliburton can finish around the rim finish kind of like inside the free throw line but not quite to the rim that's where that floater game is and um in in this Boston game that I was kind of talking about in, uh, a second ago. He had some deep threes, one of them being from literally the Pacers logo from the center court, that P, that big P that 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 kind of uh, encapsulate, encapsulates the, the middle of the floor. This has got to be probably a 33 foot shot that uh, I, I would I don't remember the play exactly, but I know that Halliburton hit a deep, deep three from the logo. And he kind of did this little shrug, kind of like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's famous for this shrug that he did. And I think he scored like, like Jordan scored like 63 against Boston Celtics, like in the 80s, maybe, uh, uh, you know, like in the playoffs. And and he was just kind of like on fire. And he kind of just gave this shrug like, yeah, like, what do you want me to do? You know, like, that's just, I mean, I've got game. Halliburton does that same kind of, did that same kind of shrug after he hit that deep three. And, and that's one thing that's been super awesome about Halliburton is, it's just banging home threes and deep threes. Um, every time I, I like I, when I'm watching him, I just want to see him shoot. I just want him to shoot more and more and more. Um, but we'll see. I don't know if that's actually what he what he wants to do or what his game kind of. Uh, I don't know if that necessarily jives with this game. Like, and and that you know to me that's that's really on, like one of the only criticisms that I would have of Halliburton so far. Besides kind of being sometimes careless with the ball, 
he, he has a lot of turnovers, but then you're kind of thinking like, well, you know, what doesn't really matter. I mean, we're, we don't really even want to win. It's like, who cares if he tosses the ball over one time? But it's like, that's going to be different if we're trying to win games and that costs us a game. It's going to feel different. That's going to be a, a more impactful turnover. Um, but outside of the turnovers, it's it's the fact that he, he seems to be a little... He, his He just doesn't look to score quite enough to my liking so far. Um, he is a pass first point guard. That's kind of what he's been labeled as. And maybe that's what that's maybe that's who he is. And so if that's the case, like maybe we need to embrace that, or maybe I need to embrace that. Um, an example of this would be uh, there was a game that the Pacers played against the Oklahoma City Thunder a couple weeks ago. Thunder have a worse record than the Pacers. The game ended up going into overtime and you know, Halliburton just, he just did not shoot the ball. Like, Buddy Heald had more field goal attempts. Brogdon had more field goal attempts. Brissett had more field goal attempts. Lance Stevenson had more field goal attempts. He was tied with Jalen Smith for only having 10 field goal attempts in the game. And the reason that it stood out was because, you know, in that game, like, Lance was really good. Uh, as far as he, Lance hit a big shot to send the game into overtime. And then Lance took, like, five or six shots in overtime. And they were all, they, you know, he missed every single shot. And so the Pacers lost the game. It's just like, as as the point guard, Halliburton was out there. It's like, you would hope that he would just kind of say like, hey, you don't even have to say anything. He just needs to take the ball into his own hands and like, get a shot, get, get the team a bucket. Because like, don't just settle for like your teammates. I guess you can't really have it both ways, right? Like if you want to be a pass first point guard, like, you pass to the open guy. Lance definitely had open shots. So I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's not a very good point. Uh, but to me, when I was watching that game, I just felt like, man, you just want Halliburton to be more aggressive. And and I guess, that, yeah, what, like what I'm saying is like overall, it's the criticism is it, I wish he would be more a little bit more aggressive with his own offense, like getting his own shots. Um and then the other kind of like kind of stinky thing right now going on, it's just like, I don't know about this Halliburton-Brogdon pairing. I, I, I feel like in a vacuum, on paper, it would work. Uh, it might work really nicely if you, if Malcolm, if Malcolm Brogdon was the player that like we really want him to be. And like, you know, Brogdon's a really good player. I just like watching, like, so, so far they've played, Halliburton and, and Brogdon have played six games together because Brogdon was injured when Halliburton joined the team. He is over his Achilles injury so far, and he's been playing. And he's been playing, uh, well, he's actually played like six out of the last seven games. Uh, Brogdon's been there. He's logged big minutes. Um, it, it doesn't feel, and maybe that's just because I'm, I really want to see Tyrese Halliburton kind of like, be the leader of this team, but it feels like when Brogdon has been back and he's played in these games, Brogdon's kind of been the guy that's kind of been the primary focus. Um, and I feel like he, it seems like he's kind of stifling opportunity for Tyrese. Um, and I don't know if it, I, they haven't really given, like they haven't been giving vibes of like they really enjoy playing with each other. It'd be one thing if, you know, if they were like really kind of like buddy buddy out there on the court, and and Brogdon was doing his thing, and Halliburton was just kind of like, yo, you know, uh, Malcolm can do his thing, I'm doing my thing, like we work really well together, like I want to see this 
Like, I want Malcolm to be my vet for the next three or four years. Like, we want to keep Brogdon here. I just don't get those vibes at all. It kind of feels like Brogdon is on an island. And he, and it's like, it's like he's on one island. Halliburton's on another island. And it just doesn't seem like those two are really kind of jiving yet. And, or I don't know if they even want to jive. Um, which is one reason, another reason, like, or it's not another reason. It is the reason that I think that as a, as an organization, it's, it's time for the Pacers to move on from Brogdon. Brogdon thinks he's a point guard. Um, you brought in Halliburton. You've said he's our point guard. Yeah, it's like, all right, I, we just got to move on. And I don't know. I could be persuaded differently. We could see things, things might change, but so far, it doesn't seem like it's working out that well. Um, and so like in those six games that those two have played together, and this is what I mean by Malcolm stifling uh, opportunity uh, for Tyrese. They, I was looking, I just was curious because they played six games. The Pacers in those six games have two wins and four losses. Um, field goal attempts. So Brogdon in these six games has taken 100 shots compared to Tyrese Halliburton only taking 72 shots. Um, Malcolm Brogdon has taken 40 free throws. Tyrese Halliburton has only taken 20 free throws. Uh, so, you know, what that shows me is just that Brogdon is out there playing his game, being aggressive, acting like the alpha. Um, but we want Tyrese to be the alpha. And that's that's where the rub is. Like I it, to me it would just be a lot and it's only six games, so it's, I'm not trying to like really um like uh, say, like say anything like with finality here, but Brogdon, you know, 100 shots, Tyrese took 72 shots. 40 free throw attempts, Tyrese 20. Um it just looks to me like Brogdon is out there doing his thing and Unfortunately, you can't have two point guards. Like you can't have two guys with there's only one ball and we've got two guys that think that they need the that should we have two guys that that should have the ball. Um so we'll we'll, we'll see about that. But um it just it you know, I, I think that I I just think that the Pacers should should probably get rid of make Malcolm Brogdon in the offseason. I don't think that he's going to be somebody who uh will you know, just play off ball, play his role, a, a diminished role. That That's the thing. It's like, you, you want to see, you want to see how, you want to see how big Halliburton can get. Like, like how good could he be? And we know that if he's going to be like the best that he can, like Malcolm Brogdon can't also be the best that he can. Like Malcolm Brogdon actually has to kind of like, like kind of scale back. And what we've seen in the first six games, it's it's like Brogdon's not scaling back, and I, I don't know what that what where that leaves us. And maybe it's like the Pacers are just like, hey, like we're gonna let Brogdon do his thing, and and you know Brogdon's had some hell of games. Like um, he almost like he had like a thirty point triple double against the Magic in a win. Um, you know he's Brogdon's good. Like he's definitely a good player. Uh, but it, he just, he stifles Tyrese, and that's it. And, and so I'll stop saying the same point. Um, uh, but 
so I got a question. Like, so what what does the best Tyrese Halliburton look like as a you know so like right now he's kind of labeled that he's labeled as a pass first point guard, uh, but he also has really good offensive skills. You know, being able to to shoot from deep, to be able to get into the paint, floaters, crafty layups. Um, he's an efficient scorer. Like, is he a is he more likely to be a, a 25 point per game score or is he more likely to be a 12 assist per game distributor? And he could still average, he could still get like 18, 19, 20 points a game to go along with those 12 assists. But to kind of get up into that 25 points per game or higher, you know, you got to be looking to get your shot for the majority of the game. I just don't know if that's, I don't know if that's how Tyrese likes to go about his business. And um, therefore, I don't think that's necessarily bad. I just think that the Pacers should be aware and not think that they can build a team around Halliburton with him being the number one scoring option. I think that we have to make sure, we have to be aware that Halliburton's looking to dish the ball. Like he's going to get his offense, but he maybe he's just going to get his offense when it's there. And and he's going to do a lot of other things and maybe just be like a really good all-around player. Like on the defensive end, he's averaging over two steals a game, which is amazing. Um, that's like he's top five or six in the league of steals. You know, he's got good size and length and athleticism on the defensive end. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, being able to kind of contain Tatum for what the, for whatever that means you know the assists um assists are just as good as points you know I mean at the end of every assist it's two points or three points so you know maybe you just gotta you gotta think to construct the team around him with some you know we need some real potent scores like we need to go out there and and literally try to find like a number one scoring option like we need to find a guy who can come in and give us 25 a night um, to pair with Halliburton because Halliburton being our number one scorer at 19 a game just like isn't going to get it done, like uh, in my opinion. So, you know, what does the best Tyrese Halliburton look like? Like we'll find out. He's still young. Like we don't know. It, um, I have a feeling maybe it's more like that 12 assists per game guy. I, I think that that might give the Pacers the best chance at, at being a title contender would be if you just embrace the fact that Halliburton is good with getting his teammates involved and and actually empower that in him and 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 don't put the scoring pressure on him as as well right so go find the scoring elsewhere um but we shall see and so that's Halliburton he's been great it's we're 11 games into his uh career as a pacer we've got uh, you know, we got quite a few games left in this season to, to, to kind of get an eye for him. I have a feeling that the roster is going to probably look way different next season. Um, but yeah, I'm just really excited about Halliburton. I think even though, the, you know, we're not winning, we're not winning games anymore. Uh, we're not definitely not winning any more than we were with Sabonis. It just feels good to have uh, a new face of the franchise at this point. Um, and I think that he is actually, you know, one of the one of the pieces that we can build around. And um, you got to think about, you know, kind of transitioning now, like as as a as an organization, as the Pacers, like, okay, like they signed Rick Carlisle this past se- this 
in this past summer uh, to a four-year, $29 million, um, come be our coach. We're, we're, we're willing to give, you know, we're committing to you this much. Like, please, Rick, be here, help us. And I think what we're seeing in this first year of Rick's contract is kind of just the dismantling of the old guard and he's and we're building up something new and it makes like and, and to me and I would assume for the Pacers uh, you know this season this season year one of the four for Rick Carlisle has it, it it's done they're not making the playoffs uh, the best thing that's going to come out of this season well I shouldn't say that that there's a lot of good things that could come out of this season but we're definitely not making the playoffs so um, what is the goal as an organization? I would think that the goal would be to become a championship contending team. What does that mean? Uh, that means you're definitely going to like, you know, be winning one or two, three playoff series, you know, be one of the top two or three teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, and I think that the time frame from that for that uh, is probably within the next three seasons because, if you signed Rick Carlisle for four years, we've already got through, we've already kind of wasted one of those years. We've got three more to go. It's not a waste. We, I mean, if anything, it's we're, we're probably closer to that now than we were, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, now having Halliburton and some of the other pieces and some of the other moves that we've made. Um, but my question is, you know, like, okay, Rick Carlisle, you're here. Uh, you, you, we've got three more, like, not counting this season, we've got three more years with you. Uh, we want to become a championship contender. Um, like, what what do you want? You're the coach. Like, like what kind of team are you looking for? And I know that as a coach, you got to be super adaptive. Like, you, you got to kind of adapt each season based off of the roster that you have. Um, but what does, what are qualities of a team that Rick Carlisle is looking for? And, and so far, like, the things that came to my mind are: I think that he wants to he wants to coach a team that plays fast. He has he has no issue with um, a quick style of basketball. You know, there's some coaches like Tom Thibodeau with the Knicks, or um, you know, especially like some of the more old school uh, the way that the game used to be played back whenever the score would be in the 80s and 90s. You know, that that would have a heart attack if they saw the the point guard. You know. The other team makes a shot and then their point guard just grabs the ball and like passes it in and then, you know, and then gets the ball right back and sprints up the court. It's like, yo, slow down. Like, let's get into our offense. You know, I, to me, I think Carlisle seems like somebody who's, who's willing to play fast and he wants to play fast. I think Rick Carlisle wants to see a lot of ball movement. He wants, you know, he wants to see basketball played the what he can, I think he would consider it the right way being like fundamentally sound, but like finding the right player, like finding the right shot and having players that are unselfish. So Halliburton fits that to the T. Like he definitely likes to play. He plays fast. He's really good at moving the ball. Um, you know, three point shooting is another thing that I think Carlisle's a big fan of. I don't think he minds having a team that jacks up a lot of threes. And one thing that's been coming up on some of these like press, uh, like post game press conferences and stuff is, is uh, randomness is what they're saying. Basically, we don't have a play. Like, just let the players go out there and, like, play. Like, um, hey, set up, let's, like, you come set a screen for for Halliburton. 
go over, like get a back cut, move without the ball, whatnot. Just kind of like a chaotic offense that, you know, basically just really puts, um, really just kind of puts, keeps the ball in the player's hand and not necessarily the coach calling plays. So I think, I think Carlisle's probably okay with that. Like he's okay not calling plays um, all the time uh, in the flow of the game. He just wants, I think he just wants his team to, um, be smart with it, be wise with that freedom. Uh, so as a front office, right, the Pacers, they got to be thinking about that as well. Like we want players that fit this type of play, um, moving forward. So I don't know. I don't know if the Pacers are going to be able to do it in three seasons. Um, because you look at their team now and you ask yourself, what pieces do we have that, that kind of fit this? And, uh, and what I just said about, you know, playing fast, good ball movement, three-point shooting, randomness, uh, you know, I don't know if that's what, re- like, really, like, the things that Rick Carlisle wants to do the most, but that's just what I, I think maybe he, he feels that way. So, um, what pieces do we have that, that fit this style? And you look at the roster now, um, and I think, like, all right, who do we want? Who if we're going to be like a championship contending team in three years, who do we want that's on the team now to, to, to be there? And I was interesting because I looked back and roster turnover is just, it's actually, the roster turns over more than I even, I think, give it credit for turning over. Like, it feels like we always have new players, but like we really always have new players. And I think a lot of teams always have new players. It's just, the, 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 the roster is always changing. So three years in the future, like, there's a good chance we might we might have one player from the team that's all, like currently playing on the team. Um, or we might, you know, we'll see. So I just kind of did a little mental exercise. I, actually, I looked back. I looked back three years ago. There's only one. Miles Turner was on the team three years ago. Nobody else who's currently on the Pacers team was with the team three years ago. So three years in the future, who knows? Who knows if, if, if anybody's even on the team? Um, the way that, the way that rosters shake, shake so often, but, um, looking at our current roster, these are the players that I feel like, you know, trying to build a championship contending team. I think this is what we have. So you got to start with, uh, Tyrese Halliburton. You've got to, you've got a guard in Tyrese Halliburton at six foot five who can play, uh, on both ends of the court, really good playmaker, really good shooter. Three years from now, Halliburton's going to be 25. 25 is nice because 25 is basically just starting to get into your prime as a player. Um, who else do we want on this team? Well, they're not on our team yet, but I think you got to be looking at the draft picks that we have coming up in this 2022 draft. You know, let's just say we get the fifth pick, the the Cleveland Cavalier pick that we got let's say it's the 18th pick then we have also like the 32nd or 33rd pick in the second round there whoever those guys are that we get they're going to be anywhere from 23 to 27 so that's going to be kind of like your younger end um but you you definitely hope to get at least get one player from this next draft hopefully two um that are going to be a part of that championship contending team in three seasons 
especially with that that fifth pick or fourth pick or maybe the you know that first pick that the Pacers get um man you you got to really 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 hope that you that you nail that pick big time and you get a an all-star caliber player in three seasons doesn't have not going to be an all-star as a rookie or a second year player necessarily but like three years down the road like knocking on that all-star door and I think you know I'll definitely I want to get into do some draft stuff but that'll probably be more towards when the season's over but I just kind of I don't watch college basketball that much so I don't have much ground to stand on but I was doing a little bit of research like on the mock boards and stuff I gotta say like I watched some highlights of this guy named Shaden Sharp who's projected anywhere from like fourth to eighth because what I'm looking at I'm kind of on the team I'm kind of on the side of like let's just let's just give Halliburton everything but scoring like let's say look dude you're our leader um but we want with you don't have to be our best scorer so going into the draft like I want to find a number one scoring option is what I'm looking for. And this Shaden Sharp guy, he went to Kentucky. He's from Canada. I think he's like 6'6", six, six, uh, kind of on the skinny side, but, you know, he's young. He's super young. He didn't play for Kentucky this season, uh, but he's. I think he's going to be in the NBA draft. I've seen him. He's been projected as high as like fourth. He's been as low as like eighth or tenth. Uh, but this dude can get buckets. I, I think he, I, to me, he has a super high upside. Um, I'd be very interested as him in him if I'm the Pacers as a guy to, to pair next to Halliburton that can just go get you scoring and Halliburton can just like set him up, set everybody else up, you know, focus on defense and whatnot. Anyways, that's a very interesting, like we have to nail that pick. That's if there's any chance of the Pacers being a championship contending team in three seasons, uh, what they do with this next draft is is uh, i think is paramount uh in, in the possibilities of that being being uh what happens so okay so you got halliburton you got at least one maybe two hell we have three picks maybe they hit on all three picks um then i look at i lay uh, the next guy i really like that i think is going to be around is isaiah jackson you know at six foot ten isaiah just kind of fits that fast style um, he really can kind of anchor a defense. I think he is really good at blocking shots. Uh, he's in the lob threat for Halliburton. And, uh, you know, three years from now, he's only going to be 23. So he's still going to be a young pup uh, three years from now. So I'm really excited about Isaiah Jackson. We've got Chris Duarte, our other rookie, six foot five. You know, Duarte was an, he's an older rookie. So in three years, he's going to be 27. But he, I think, is pretty solid. I think I think Duarte is a guy that can, that could be a part of a team that could be good. Um, give him another year or two to develop, and uh, I think he could definitely contribute. I don't see him being anywhere close to like an All Star or or number two. If he's our number two option, besides behind Tyrese Halliburton, it's like, dude, we're gonna be bad. So I think I think I think Duarte's got to be you know, your fourth or fifth option scoring wise, maybe coming off the bench, ideally. Um, but nonetheless, he, he, he's important. I, he, I think he could be part of a rotation in the playoffs that 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 makes that, that makes a run. Um, and, the, and then looking at the roster too, like, so I was, I, I could go either way on these guys, but I've got, I've got Buddy Heald. I'm, I'm interested in Buddy Heald 
uh, you know, we just got Buddy from Sacramento. Uh, he came over with Tyrese. Buddy is, he's a really, 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 really good shooter. Um, he has shown over his 11 games with the Pacers that he can, he can do a little bit of everything. Actually, he's kind of past, he, he's getting a lot of this, at least statistically, he's getting assists, he's getting rebounds. Um, but looking ahead three years from now, you know, you, you could see Buddy Heald potentially being on a very team-friendly deal. He's going to be 32, which is old. But if he's not your number one, number two, number three option, but maybe just like a nice complimentary piece, you know, maybe there's no room for Heald and Duarte. But I could see, but like Buddy Heald, to me, it seems like his game would be pretty fine when he's 32. He doesn't, he doesn't make his money right now off of being an elite athlete. He makes his money off of shooting. And that's one thing that you can, he could actually continue to get better. As the things that he's good at now, I think he could continue to get better. I don't think he necessarily would would decline uh, as he's when he's at 32. When he's at 35, that might be a different story. But 32, like Buddy could be a part of a team, I think. Um, you know, could, I, I could see, I, I just think that that he could, him and then the next guy, TJ Warren. Uh, three years from now, TJ Warren's going to be 31. Um Obviously, Warren hasn't played in two seasons, and um, I don't know if his stock's ever been any lower. Like, the Pacers got him for just cash. They didn't have to give anything up. They were just able to get to get T.J. Warren from the Suns, and there might be a team out there. Well, he's a free agent, so the Pacers wouldn't even get cash for him if they let him walk this season. But I just think that it, let's say that T.J. Warren can somehow get healthy, somehow play, um, and let's just say best case scenario for TJ Warren, shit, like I want him on this team too. Like he's on our roster. Y you want him. I, I want TJ Warren. I want Buddy Heald. I think that the, 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 those guys, um, that could, they could definitely have roles on a team that's a championship contender, not primary roles, but roles. And, um, they they would both be a little older at 31 and 32, but it's not like neither of neither one of them are are like Derrick Rose type athletes where it's like, yeah, you're just nothing like you. Actually, Derrick Rose is pretty damn good still, or he was last year. But, you know, it, th their games aren't based off of athleticism. So maybe they, they could play. Maybe they can't. I, I, I don't know. But I, I, when I'm looking at the Pacers roster and I'm if I'm looking out three years, I would pencil, I would just like to just, I would like to leave the door open for Buddy Heald to be on it and maybe TJ Warren as well. And then the other guy is Miles Turner. And I, I, this is one I just, I don't know what to do with Miles Turner. I don't know if he is um, the option. I kind of feel like he, my, my gut says he's not. But Miles is good and maybe, maybe, maybe he is. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, so basically kind of the exercise there was just like three years from now, what players that are currently on the Pacers team could be on the roster in three years. If, and that, and that, that team in three years is also like contending for a championship. I'm saying for sure, we've got Halliburton. Um, I'm going to say 
even though we haven't even drafted yet, you just have to assume that for sure it's going to be that that lottery pick that we have. Um, and I think you could, and then the then it's kind of like Isaiah Jackson, Duarte. They feel like they're going to be there. Buddy Heald, T.J. Warren, big question marks. Maybe they could be Miles Turner. Very small chance, but possibly. Meaning that we're probably we need to get some new faces. The pace, the Pacers are going to just have to go get. They got to go get some more talent. Um, but we'll see. I hope I hope that we can get there. You know, like that. It's it's really not. It's not fun. Not being in the playoffs or even close. Okay. So the next thing I want to talk about Isaiah Jackson. I I, I talked about Halliburton. Isaiah Jackson is 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 certainly one of my favorite players on the Pacers right now. Um, I picked him up on my fantasy team. Not great. He's had some flashes, but definitely not. I'm not. You know, my fantasy team is busted up. I'm not going to make the playoffs. So I'm just keeping Isaiah on the team because I like rooting for him. But he is about as raw as you can get. Like. He is one of those guys who's out there and he does things that you're like, holy shit. Like, whoa, you know, like, whoa. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, whoa. Look at that. Like that. He has flashes of being able to finish in the paint or blocking a shot, catching a lob. He's just explosive at the rim. And it just gets you excited as a fan. Like, man, damn, this is like awesome. Like he's wake. He, he, he has, it seems like his, his, his uh, ceiling is super high. And, and then it, it's almost like on the other end of it, there's just some stuff that's so bad. It's, um, it, it's equally as bad. Like some of the good is just, he has equally as bad moments. Um, the, the thing that jumps out and if, if, uh, if you've watched the Pacers at all, like it's, it's obvious that uh, it's a big problem is that Isaiah Jackson is just always in foul trouble. Uh, he is like a uh, almost like a puppy dog, like that just can't stop barking at the mailman. Like every time the mailman comes, like he just has to bark. Like Isaiah Jackson just has to try to block every single shot, and um, he just is like always in foul trouble. So it's it. I can't even think of. I can't even. It's probably five or six. Let's just say the. Let's just look at the sample size of like the last like ten games. I bet four or five of those games, like he's been pulled from the game within the first five minutes of the first quarter because he's picked up his second foul and he goes to the bench and he just sits and he and then he comes. He, he might come back in in the second quarter. Like he's just shooting himself in the foot by getting these fouls. Granted, there have been some bullshit foul calls on Isaiah Jackson. Um, but he's he's been in foul trouble so often, like you can't just blame the refs. He's got to change the way that he approaches the game, or he has to change the way that he plays to not pick up these fouls. But I would I would ask the coaching staff for like do, like do me a favor and like just let him play. I don't care if he gets a second foul two minutes into the game. Who cares? Like you're not like we're not winning these basketball games. It's not like this is the playoffs. And we have to save his fouls for the second half, or you know what I mean? Like, we, I just let him go. And if 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 I were the coach, I would say, "All right, Isaiah, 
I've got, I've got you down for 32 minutes tonight. I'm going to play you the first eight minutes of the first quarter. Then I'm going to let you rest for the last four minutes of the first quarter and the first four minutes of the second quarter. Then I'm going to put you in with eight minutes to go in the second quarter. And then you're going to play out the first half. There's your 16. Then we're going to do that exact same pattern in the second half. And if you like you foul out whenever you foul out. So if, like if you foul out, <laughs> if you foul out in, in the second quarter, sorry, like you did it. Um, but that's just not how they're doing it. They're, he's getting that second foul. They're yanking him. And then it, so it just throws off the whole game. He's not getting into any rhythm. He's not getting in any flow. And I just feel like that's what I like. Why not? What do you got to lose? Just put him in there and play him until he fouls out. And um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like <laughs> this is like a story about my. This is okay. We're gonna go. We're gonna go from talking about the NBA to talking about girls basketball, eighth grade, medium sized school in the state of Indiana, and it's my wife. My wife has a has has two amazing basketball stories. I love to tell. I'm gonna share them on the podcast here. The first one is the fact that she was a um, she was a hacker, and she, uh, she fouled out in she fouled out of the basketball game in the first half in eighth grade. Um, <laughs> this is a hilarious story because her history teacher was and, and I didn't I didn't know my wife at this time we didn't go to the same school um, but this is just you know what I heard I'm trusting her uh, her 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 ref. Her, the referee was her history teacher, and I just I just imagine, you know, she's probably go like I think who like whenever the per, whenever, whenever the girl that she was guarding would get the ball, I think my wife was just like, there's only one option here, and that's for me to take the ball from you, and so I'm just going to do whatever I need to do to get the ball, and unfortunately that leads to a lot of fouls, and my wife my wife fouled out in the first half of an eighth grade basketball game. And her, she told me that her history teacher was like, wow, like, I just didn't think that you were that aggressive or, or something along those lines. And uh, I think Isaiah Jackson is kind of like, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Like, I'm sorry if that embarrasses you that you fouled out in the first quarter. But, dude, it's like, that's what we're doing here. I don't know. That might be silly, but who cares, you know? Um, you know, I, I also, so it reminds me, like, thinking of just, basketball stories that aren't NBA related. Like I have my own uh, kind of silly basketball story. I've got two that I'm going to share on the podcast today. Let me take a sip here. So the first one, let's see, I've got, I've got a really embarrassing story. I'm not, I'm not currently embarrassed about it, but it was embarrassing at the time. And I have a heroic story. So I'll do the uh, heroic story for us heroic moment first I was in fifth grade okay and I was on the basketball team I was I was one of those guys that that went from a team I, I got to I got to dress a team and b team because I never really played much in the a team but I would get to play it on the b team and there was a b team basketball game against our county rivals and uh it's funny because my parents weren't the type of parents that took we actually didn't have video cameras. Now, this would have been, um, let's see, in fifth grade. Shit, I don't know. That might have been like 1998, something like that. There were there were no uh, 
well, there were video cameras because uh, I have a video of this, but my parents weren't a part of that. So it wasn't like I was always getting videos or anything, but there's a video of me in this game. It's a, you know, B team. This game against our county rival comes down to the very end. Um, we are, my team is down by one point and we have one of one of my teammates is shooting free throws and there's about let's just call it four seconds left on the clock and he has he has two free throws that he has a chance to uh tie the game and then actually even go ahead well misses the first free throw what do you expect right and i i graduated with 72 kids so you can imagine what the fifth grade b team skill level was like um 72 total kids, not just 72 males. Um, so misses the first free throw. All right, we're still down by one, but we got a chance to take it to overtime. Misses the second free throw. Okay. Ball does not get properly rebound by either the opponent or my team. And I'm, so I'm a small guy. And so I was not lined. No, actually, yeah. This in, in elementary school, right? You, like you lined up all the way to the to the free throw shooter. It wasn't like in the NBA where you only have you only have like five guys on the free throw line. It would be like one, two, three, four, five, six, maybe even eight guys lined up on the on the along the free throw line. Um, and so I was like right next to you know what? Fuck. I don't remember. I don't remember where I was at, but long story short, our guy misses the free throw. We're down by one. The ball kind of is kind of getting scuffled around. There's only a few seconds left on the clock. Somehow I end up with the ball and I'm standing on the free throw line and I just heave the ball up over my head. I'm not even facing the basket. I'm facing the other end of the court and I pick the ball up and I just know my clock awareness was on point. I just knew that the clock was about to go off. I just chucked the ball up over my head. Literally, the buzzer goes off as the ball's in the air, and you bet your ass that I sunk the shot. It goes in, and, uh, like, I have the, it's just so funny. I, there's, like, the video of, like, there's, like, there's a cheer, there's a cheerleaders, and it's, like, one of the cheerleaders' dad is, like, videotaping uh, what's going on, and, uh, um, you know, so basically, you know, I, like, I won the game for the team. And, uh, sorry, my power just, like, power just flickered. So, that was a buzzkill. But, uh, it's all good. It was, it was an amazing moment. It was the highlight of my basketball career. I love basketball. Obviously, I'm still talking about it today. And, um, that was a big, that was a big, big, big moment for me in my life. Um, hitting that, that over-the-head free throw shot to, uh, to beat the Delphi Oracles in that fifth grade B team game back in 1998. Now let me uh, come back down to earth with a uh, with with the embarrassing moment, and that would be as a junior in high school. Once again, playing two different playing on two different levels. I was I was on the varsity team, but just didn't get a lot of run. So I would also play JV. Well, it just so happened that we were up against. Um, the school is called Tri-Central. Uh, Tri-Central High School in, in uh, kind of like North Central Indiana. And they happen to have a really good team. Uh, and this is, I'm, this is coming off of memory, but 
they had a they had a really good team, probably like a top ten ranked team in the state for Class A, which is the smallest schools in the state. So I'm talking competition is weak here, guys. I'm not I'm not trying to brag, uh, because I was in the game at a like I was in the varsity game. So basically, uh, we were at Tri Central. My team went to Tri Central, and we were getting blown out. Like, I think that, I think they went up by 20, like real quick. And so coach was, you know, pissed or whatever, puts me in the game, uh, which I was expecting to play a little bit, but like, I probably didn't average more than eight minutes a game out of the 24 available minutes. Um, but so I got put in, I, I check into the game and I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened, but based like, it was not more than like, I either, either the game didn't even start or they played, we maybe played a couple possessions and then the game stopped. But the referee like came up to me and was just like, hey, you can't, you can't wear that shirt. And so like we, our colors were blue and white and we were wearing our away blue jerseys. And I think I might've had a white undershirt on. And the coach was like, or not the coach, but the ref was like, you can't have different colors going on. So he was being a real stickler on the rules. And so he was like telling me I had to take my undershirt off uh, under my jersey. Now, and let me say this too: it wasn't a t-shirt; it was like a cutoff that I was that I was rocking underneath my jersey. Um, but so I'm like, okay, this is weird. So like the game stopped, and just imagine like you got this, you know, it's not a huge it's not a huge gym, but it's an Indiana high school gym, and you got a a, a top ranked team, so it's it's a packed house, you know, like the the crowd is into it. They're, they're, they're ready to cheer on their team and they're kicking our ass and, and everything. So there's this little, there's a little something going on over here on the side and the ref's talking to me and he's telling me I need to change. I need to take that shirt off. And so my coat, I'm like, Oh, okay. So I'm thinking, well, my coach is going to take me out of the game so that I can go take my shirt off, I guess, or whatever. And, um, my coach is like, just take it off. like so he's pissed right like my coach is pissed about the game and he like has me in the game because it's like he's mad at the game he, it's like he's not I'm not in there to win the game for him he's just like pissed and he's got me in the game so I'm just like are you gonna take me out he's like no just take it off I'm like okay so he doesn't take me out of the game so uh, I'm on the basketball court and I just undress right I just take my jersey off and then I take my undershirt off and I swear it's not more than you know as soon as I start taking my clothes off or my, my jersey off my undershirt the crowd which is like the high school kids and if you know it's like it's all good they start chanting and this is such a rural Indiana thing to chant like most people probably don't even know what this is but they start chanting beanpole which is like you know it's because I'm so skinny I was like, I, I think like when I took my jersey off, everyone could see my bare chest and they're just like, this dude looks like a rail. And at the time, I, well, I still am really, but you know, I was like 115 pounds, um, you know, soaking wet. And so anyways, that's, that's my, uh, that's, that's, that's my, that's my embarrassing story to, to balance out my heroic one. Um, anyways. Anyways, okay, that was a, that was a, that was a, that was what it was. Uh, Isaiah Jackson, right? <laughs> okay.
it's all good though. Like honestly, that's what it's all about. Like it, it it's fun. It's fun to be. It's fun to think back on those moments. And uh, I at the time, I was so embarrassed that I, I didn't even know. I didn't even know that's what they were chanting or that they were even chanting at me. I think I was just like, I just like, I just wanted the game to start again. And, and once it did, it was like, I, I wasn't thinking about it, but my, I remember my parents telling me like, yeah, they were, they were chanting beanpole. Um, but like, okay. So now, now I'm actually, all right, let's talk about the Pacers again. So Isaiah Jackson, I, I, I mentioned, I, like I, I mentioned Isaiah as being, somebody on the team currently who I think could be on the team in three years looking at the last seven, like, so the last seven games, he started all seven games because of the foul trouble. He's only, he's only averaging 20 minutes a game, but in those 20 minutes, he's given us 11.6 rebounds, nearly three, three blocks a game at a 67% field goal percentage. So that's pretty damn good. You extrapolate, like, if, if you bump those 20 up to 28, those numbers start to look way better. But the, the flip side of that is, in seven games, he's, in seven games at 20 minutes per, he's only accumulated one assist. So he, you know, once he gets the ball, like, he's not really going to be able to make anything happen with it besides scoring for himself. Um, the free throw percentage is at 53%. So that is potentially really bad. Like he's got to get that free throw percentage up into the seventies, uh, in order to be a piece in a, a deep playoff, like a deep playoff team. And he's also only taken three free, th three, three pointer field, three point field goals. And he's, he hasn't made any of them. So there's some there's some good bright spots like you love the block shots you love the really good field goal percentage um, I love the offensive rebounding that Isaiah Jackson brings um, but he definitely has some big holes in his game and but hopefully between now and three years in the future uh, he can he can kind of get those uh, under control and uh, be part of the team and uh, in a good way. Uh, let's see what else do I want to talk about here I've been rambling for a little bit. Uh, Chris Duarte, I, like I said, I think he could be somebody he he's a rookie. He's, he's a shot maker. Whenever he gets the ball in the corner three and he's open and he fires it, I feel like it's going in and it usually does. He's able to kind of take his guy off the dribble a little bit and maybe make like fadeaways. He can make some difficult shots. I like that. Um, so far this season, he's had six games where he scored 20 points or more. I just don't know if he's if he is a starting caliber player or is he more of a role player. I think he might be more of a role player at this point. Now he could definitely make a jump. You know, maybe in his second season, um, he's he's just had a rough like month or two. Like the last couple, like with these injuries he's been dealing with, which is kind of leading into like some of the bad stuff about Duarte is definitely the fact that he's he seems to be a little injury prone. Um, I was looking looking through like his game logs and it looks like on four different occasions he's missed time due to injury. So it's nothing it hasn't been anything that's been like season ending or like major injuries, but he's missing time due to little knickknacks here and there. He's missed 15 games so far. Um 
So he hasn't, I don't think he's really hit his rhythm and he especially hasn't hit his rhythm with Halliburton at the, at, at the point yet. So I'm still holding out hope that Duarte could be a potential starting shooting guard on a really good team. Um, but it just like the more we watch him, it just kind of feels like that's probably not realistic. He's probably more of like a bench player, but not back of the bench, more like the bench player that plays every single game. And nothing wrong with that, man. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, I'm going to throw just a little a little shade at Duarte, too, here. It's just the fact that, like, sometimes I'm watching the games, and it just seems like he's a little whiny. Like, I feel like he's he just, and maybe it's just the face that he makes whenever he's complaining about calls, but it just really seems whiny to me. Um, so if I could change him, I would change that. Anyways, all right, uh, Duarte. So, like, I think I think Duarte could be on the team. Buddy Healed. I said he might be on the team. He might not be on the team in three years, but like for what he's done so far, I think he's been awesome. I mean, this is a guy who has certainly benefited from being with the new franchise. The Kings, no, the Kings did not draft Buddy Healed, but but he's been with the Kings for a while and. I think that they were reluctant to give him his contract and there was like a bunch of like kind of weird stuff going on and the Kings have just been bad for a while. So like ever since all the years that Buddy Heald's been there, the Kings have been really bad. They've never made the playoffs. Um, so the fact that he came to Indiana, I feel like, you know, just getting a new start might be a really good thing for Buddy. Um, he's six foot four, so not super tall, 220 pounds. That's pretty good weight. I uh, went to Oklahoma um, as at, at college, and one thing that I was looking at, I was just curious to see like how good he was in college, because I remember him being really, really good in college. I was like, how good was how good was Buddy Heald? Well, the thing that really popped out to me was the progression and and the way that he got better as he was there. So like as a freshman at Oklahoma, Buddy Heald averaged eight points a game. As a senior. At Oklahoma, he averaged 25 points per game. Okay, that's a that's a huge jump, going from eight points to 25. As a, as a freshman, Buddy Heald shot 24% from three-point line. As a senior, he shot 46% from three-pointer. And that was on nine three-pointers attempts a game. It's not like he was only putting up a couple a game. And what we've what I've heard so far about him is like he's a gym rat. So he is somebody who is just always in the gym shooting buddy he loves to shoot you can tell it because he's an amazing shooter i think he's second in the nba currently with most three pointers in the in the league this season only behind steph curry um if you are a team that is contending for a championship and you like to shoot threes it, that seems like a player that you that could fit on your team and that's why I think Buddy might be somebody who could be on the team still in three years. But I, I don't know. He might be the first guy to get traded this offseason. That wouldn't necessarily surprise me that much. Um, another thing that's interesting about Buddy, he's from the Bahamas. He's 29 years old. And I just wonder, like, what is his role going to be um, if he stays on the Pacers? Like, is he a starter? I, I don't think so. Maybe he's coming off the bench. Um, I do think that his game would age well. We'll just have to wait and see on that one, though. 
But I do like the fact that when he's in the game, he is hunting for his shot. He's like the opposite of Tyrese Halliburton. He is looking to score every time he gets the basketball. Um, and he's been great for the Pacers. He's played the same 11 games that Halliburton has. He's averaging 19 points, which is exactly what Tyrese is averaging. He's averaging five rebounds, five assists. He's shooting 91% from the free throw line. Um, you know, maybe he's got good chemistry with Halliburton too, like running that chaotic offense like that that Rick Carlisle talks about, you know, being okay with, not necessarily running plays. They say that Buddy Heald is always just kind of sprinting around, um, just, you know, just trying to get open, looking to shoot. Uh, but it seems like with the Pacers now, you know, he's looking to pass too. Averaging five assists over 11 games is pretty damn good. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Like the long-term fit for, for Buddy Heald, I don't know. I, I like, I kind of like Buddy Heald though right now. I do. Um, I want to see more. I don't necessarily think that, like I would rather see the Pacers get rid of Brogdon at this point than Buddy Heald. Uh, I don't know if I really believe that. Yeah, I I do because I don't like Buddy doesn't stifle Tyrese at all. Where Halibur or where Brogdon certainly does. Um, but yeah, we'll just see, and that's and that's you know that's kind of just why we play the games, and uh, we'll, we'll just have to see it out. We've got 15 games left this season. Um, it's been it's been fun watching the team with with Halliburton back. I'm excited to just continue to see this team. I'm really, really excited to see what the, how the draft plays out and also what kind of moves maybe the Pacers can make this offseason. Um, I, th- I think that, that you've you got to get rid of Brogdon. I think you got to get rid of Turner. Um, I think this is a complete rebuild. And it's hard because we might suck again next year. But I guess you're just hoping for a lot of development from the young guys. At least you, you know, you're hoping to get some young guys that you actually feel like can get you somewhere rather than somebody who's better in the moment, but isn't good enough to get you where you want to go. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see, but, uh, yeah, I think that's gonna be that's gonna be enough enough for tonight. Um, cool. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, hopefully, you enjoyed it, and we will uh, we'll be back uh, sometime. Peace and love, everybody.